Liv, what's the most disgusting thing you can think of right now? Cottage cheese. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> n- well, that's wrong. The correct answer was a swarm of locusts. Oh, right, right. I also would have accepted gangrenous foot wounds. Oh, okay. I'll pocket that for next time. Well, in this episode, I will not be talking about gangrene, but I will be talking about a swarm of locusts that devastated the Great Plains in 1874. I'm Ian. And I'm Liv. And this is... Disaster Hour. So you really don't like cottage cheese, do you? No, it's gross. I don't like the consistency of it. What if you put like pineapple or like blueberries in it? You've never done that? No, that's what like a bunch of people say, because I'm fine with like Greek yogurt, but... That's not even remotely the same thing. Oh, see. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of is. It's dairy. Yeah. I don't know. I've never tried it. Wait, you've never tried cottage cheese? Mm -mm. I feel like it would... Then how do you know it's disgusting? I'm just going off of consistency alone. Why is it lumpy? You are 25 years old. You you are too old to be saying, I don't like this, but I've never tried it. (laughs) And I will never try it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not much I can do there, is there? No, nope. Oh, I'm 24. Yeah, no, I am because I legitimately had to look it up and I put everything into Google and it was like, you're 24. I just, I just forgot. I'm I'm being serious. I'm being completely serious. No, I know you are. And that's why I don't know what to say. You know, sometimes you just forget how old you are. Maybe in the next episode, we can just talk about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm an enigma. And how you ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the disaster. The Locust Plague of 1874. Ooh, it's always in the 1800s. I, lo- I love a good 1800s mm. disaster. Sounds so biblical. Does it? Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, they had that in the Bible, didn't they? Locust in, swarms? Yeah, I was in Revelation something. I don't know. Why do I... Oh, I know that because I sang a choir song about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and swarms of locusts. Yeah. I have so many questions about that, um, but that's a good 20-minute <laughs> sidetrack. Mm-hmm. Well, during the summer of 1874, a locust swarm terrorized and destroyed hundreds of thousands of acres across the Great Plains. The swarms began on July 20th, 1874, and lasted for 10 days through July 30th before the swarms began dying down. These swarms covered areas from Montana to Minnesota, and then as far south as Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. They really traveled. They were getting down to business. Mm -hmm. And these swarms began with zero warning. Also, this swarm consisted of a specific breed of locust, the Rocky Mountain locust. So all throughout this, whenever I say the word locust, I specifically mean the Rocky Mountain locust. Gotcha. Now, these swarms were so intense that when the swarms would arrive, sunny and blue skies would suddenly go dark. Some people compared their arrival to an eclipse or the onset of nightfall. That's a nightmare. That is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Flying bugs. Oh, oh God. And then there were times where the locust wings would reflect the sunshine and the swarms would look like a snowstorm or clouds of water vapor. Ew, that's so descriptive. Yeah. The swarms would consume entire crop fields in hours, and they caused economic ruin throughout a lot of the U.S. But one of the craziest parts of this entire disaster, these specific Rocky Mountain locusts would completely vanish as suddenly as they appeared by the 1880s. So they're just gone? Mm-hmm. What the hell? This was very weird. This... We have answers to all of it, though. Oh, good. Okay, mm-hmm. I was going to say... So, first off, how in the ever-loving hell does this even happen? (laughs) I think for this to make the most sense, we have to do a quick biology lesson on locusts. Now, I know I love going down a rabbit hole of detail, but this is necessary, and I'll make it quick, I promise. Mm -hmm. 
So first, what is a locust? It's basically a bigger type of grasshopper that can sustain flight. Grasshopper is the umbrella term. Locusts are a specific type of grasshopper. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. And there's thousands of species too. So grasshoppers are solitary insects and they eat a variety of plants. So they're herbivores. When they lay their eggs, they lay them just beneath the soil. And the more wet and soft the ground is, the easier it is for them to lay their eggs. Oh. So now here's where grasshoppers are badass. When they're in close proximity to each other, they evolve into locust form. This is triggered by pheromones in their feces primarily. When they evolve into locust form, their bodies grow longer and their wings get larger. Their bodies will grow to about two inches long. At this point, they're no longer solitary. They become incredibly social. And when I say incredibly social, I actually mean they become raging maniacs on the hunt for food. Oh, yeah. They prefer feeding over mating at this point. Also, grasshoppers, including locusts, hatch in their nymph stage. I didn't know what that was. This means they don't start out as larvae. They hatch in just a smaller version of their adult body. So basically, when they hatch, they're ready to roll as soon as they're born. So they're like a Pokemon. Yeah. That's so weird. Mm -hmm. And once the swarm is formed, they continue picking up more grasshoppers to convert them along the way. Sounds like a cult. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. And remember, now that they're in locust form, they can sustain flight instead of just hopping along at long distances. Mm -hmm. And if they encounter another locust swarm, they just combine swarms. And when the swarm finds food, they consume everything like absolute savages. Also, the swarms grow very fast as well. Because even though locusts prefer feeding over mating at this point, when they do lay eggs, they lay way more eggs than they would in their solitary grasshopper form. And the locusts don't lay eggs just once per season. Mm -hmm. They lay them constantly. They just need roughly a week or so in between. And when they lay eggs, they can lay up to 70 eggs at a time. Oh my god. So imagine 70 eggs every week. That sounds like, again, a nightmare. They can live up to two years. It's not typical for them to live past one season, but they can live Mm -hmm. up to two years. So let's go back to 1874 now. The spring started out with heavier rainfall that year. This made the soil wet, so this made it easier for grasshoppers to lay eggs. And when they all hatched, they had plenty of food. So this allowed for higher than average numbers of grasshoppers to survive and mature into adults. Mm. Then there's a drought in the summer. So what does this do? This forces all the grasshoppers to go to the same sources of food. Because less rain means less plants for the grasshoppers to eat. And so when they do find a source of food, all of the grasshoppers end up there. And voila, time to evolve and swarm. It was estimated that there were 12.5 trillion. The chill that just went down my back. Oh, God. Not tr- That's entirely too many locusts. There should only be zero. Ugh. No. No. Also, the estimated weight of all the locusts was over 27 million tons. At their greatest volume, the swarms would be large enough to cover a landmass equal to the size of California. Holy shit. So again, July 20th is when the swarm first appeared. Their prime goal is to feast on anything they can. They would absolutely devour crop fields in a single day, sometimes in just hours. And they would eat almost anything. Wheat, corn, potatoes, tobacco, beans, Mm -hmm. anything. Cottage cheese. Probably. Well, (laughs) I don't know. Do you think they would try it or do you think they would look at it and say, (laughs) I know I don't like that. Both. They would even strip fruit trees of all of their leaves, leaving them looking completely dead. Oh. Yeah. Also, the locusts would attempt to eat almost any type of organic matter, like sawdust and leather. Lots of things are made out of leather. Mm -hmm. They would eat clothes and blankets that had been hung out to dry, and they would chew on wooden handles of rakes and shovels and other tools. 
this just sounds like something from like Courage the Cowardly Dog, like an yes, episode of that. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And they would also chew on horses' leather saddles as well. There it is. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have a disaster without a horse. Always, there's always a fucking horse. There were also many reports of the locusts trying to gnaw the clothes off of people's backs. Uh, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Pass. Hard nope. pass. But the one thing that the locusts seemed to avoid eating was peas. Peas were left almost entirely untouched. Like peas, like P-E-A-S? Mm-hmm. Just a clarifying question. What's the other peas? I thought you said bees. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> if there were bees that season or if there were a shortage of bees that season, I don't think it would have been noticed. You know, with the locusts. Yeah. Now we look it up. (laughs) The swarms, when they arrived on the farms, would come in waves. Sometimes the swarm would last for two days, sometimes 20 minutes. Sometimes the swarms would show up every hour on the hour. And sometimes the swarm would show up in the evening and the locusts would rest on the farm overnight until the following morning. The mass of locusts would be several inches deep on the ground. And these swarms could block out the sun entirely for hours as well. Also, because these swarms were so dense, the locusts infiltrated almost everything. They would follow people inside their houses, on their clothes. They would fly inside as soon as a door was open and would creep in through windows. People would have to pat down their bedding at night to get the locusts out before they went to sleep. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Ew. Okay. I'd rather have locusts than spiders. I don't know. Like I think yeah. I'm I think I'm fine with spiders, honestly. Really? Like genuinely, yeah. Like when I see one, I'm like, okay. Oh no, there was one in my bathroom like two nights ago and I freaked out. Anything that flies, I'm going to beat the death out of it. I hate any flying bug. Imagine if spiders could fly. Then I would beat the shit out of it. <laughs> Number one enemy. Flying tarantula. Ooh. Well, these swarms were so intense also that they were reported to beat against houses and windows. There was someone at the New York Times uh, that said, they work as if sent to destroy. Ooh, I would just set a fire to all my crops. Like, they're going to be destroyed anyway. I would just douse everything with gasoline, just light it on fire. We'll get there. I'm so We'll get there. Smart. Oftentimes, these locusts would rest on railroad tracks for warmth overnight. This was problematic because when they were run over by the trains, the guts from their crushed bodies would make the train's wheels and the tracks slippery. (laughs) And then the trains couldn't get traction because it was too slick with locust guts. (laughs) So that dampened transportation. Slowed everything down. That's like some cartoon like shit. (laughs) Like dripping over a banana peel and going, whoa, whoa, whoa. happen i'm just imagining the train conductor after the train can't move they're just walking out like the two men standing there with the hands on their hips huh what do we do about that they're like shit they are never gonna believe this they take their hat and they like beat it up against like their knee you know <laughs> and then throw it yeah and throw but it then the locusts eat it yeah at one point it was recorded that a swarm ate an entire 15 acre cornfield in just three hours the corn stalks were eaten completely down to the nub. Ooh. So how do you eliminate swarms of literal trillions of locusts? Well, never having been faced with a giant locust swarm, the pioneers out west had no clue. But damn if they didn't give it the old college try. Liv, how would you try to kill off a swarm of locusts? A uh, fire. Is that your final answer? Yes, it is, Alec. Is it Alec or Alex? Alex. Alex Trebek? Yeah. I always thought it was... Did you say what is fire? Because even if you got it right, you're still wrong. You have to pose it as a question. Okay. I'll say it again. No, it's too late now. You're already, already <sighs> lost. God damn it. I buzzed in. What is fire? 
Yeah, that's and that was the daily double. God damn it. Sucks to suck. Did you risk it all? Oh, I always risk it all. Always, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the main strategies that the pioneers used to fight the locusts was fire. The farmers would light fires around their property, and the smoke would repel the locusts. However, this was often ineffective. Oh. Because the locusts were fucking psychotic and would throw themselves on the fire to smother it. The swarm was that <laughs> dense. I feel like they would form a shape of a person. And, like, start, and just blow it out. Like, yeah. Like, the pioneers would also try raking the locusts into piles and setting them on fire. Hmm. But this was also relatively ineffective because most of the raked locusts would fly away before they could be burned. Oh, right. Yeah. They tried things like firing shotgun blasts to scare off the locusts. The locusts really didn't care, though. <laughs> When they would see the swarm approaching, farmers would hurry to cover what crops they could with blankets and nets, but the locusts would chew through the fabric almost immediately. Farmers also rushed to cover the wells because the locusts would get into the water supply. Ew. Imagine drinking that water. Imagine taking like a bucket and then putting it back up and there's no water in it. Just locusts. Just locusts. <laughs> we joke. I wonder if that happened. I, it probably did. They're probably like... I mean, they had to drink water. Yeah. In Kansas, the pioneers created what's called the hopper dozer. The hopper dozer is basically a wide steel plate covered in sticky coal tar with a big cloth acting like a net sticking up on the back of the steel plate. This was dragged across the fields by horses to scoop the locusts off the ground and the net would catch the locusts and they would fall into the tar. This was relatively effective at killing off the locusts that were on the ground, but the swarms would always return. So this more just bought the farmer's time. Mm. You ready for this one? I'm so excited. The pioneers also resorted to eating the locusts. Yep. That's protein. Locusts or cottage cheese? Pick one. (laughs) Cottage cheese, I guess. Locusts in your cottage cheese? In 1877, a book was written about the plague by an entomologist named Charles Valentine Riley. An entomologist is someone who studies insects. What a name. Charles Valentine Riley. His Uh middle name is Valentine? Mm Mm-hmm. We don't have cool names like this anymore. No. Well, Charles Valentine Riley, he wrote that when the locusts were, quote, boiled and afterwards stewed with a few vegetables and a little butter, pepper, salt, and vinegar, they made an excellent fricasse. I don't know what that word is, fricasse. I have no idea. That sounds like a Charlie Bucket meal. What's Charlie Bucket? <laughs> you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they would like make cabbage soup because that's all they could afford <laughs> was cabbage. I didn't know his last name was Bucket. Yeah, it's Charlie Bucket. (laughs) What the fuck is happening? I don't know. It just sounds like something that they would eat. Like grandpa in the bed. Get up. (laughs) I do want to point out we are both stone sober right now. Yeah, we are. We're actually drinking water this episode. (laughs) Now, needless to say, these swarms ruined the economy of these new towns and cities that were being built in the Great Plains. There were massive food shortages. So the farmers struggled to feed their farm animals, let alone themselves. And farm animals and people died because of this. Oh, shit. Often, people would either pack up and move back east, or they would decide not to venture west in the first place. And when pioneers decided to pack up and move back east, they would often sell a majority of their tools and equipment, and they would sell them for half cost. They would lose a ton of money, but it was one of the only ways they could escape. Yeah. The people that were affected the worst by the swarms were those who had just arrived out west and were still establishing their farms. And there were no warnings or patterns to where and when a swarm would strike. Now, the news of these swarms quickly traveled back to the eastern part of the U.S. Money and supplies were sent to the western states to those affected by the locusts. 
things like beans, rice, and other food that could be stored for long periods of time were sent to the pioneers. And the railroads often hauled these supplies for free. Some farmers in the East actually donated rail cars full of seeds and supplies that would be needed for the next season to send out West. Oh, that's nice. That was kind of them. In Missouri, the government would require people who were able-bodied to dedicate one or two days a week to plowing fields and killing the locust eggs. Do you know who Laura Ingalls Wilder is? Absolutely, I do. I had a feeling you would. Uh, I am I Angela Scarano's daughter. <laughs> I know who Laura Ingalls. <laughs> tell, tell us who she is. She is a literary genius. She wrote Little House on the Prairie with her being the main character and all of her siblings, her parents. It was crazy. You know, when I think of an adjective for Little House on the Prairie, crazy isn't one that comes to mind immediately. It's boring, isn't it? But it was fun. I read On the Banks of Plum Creek. Liv, what in my notes here? What book are we going to discuss? Are you serious? Read the title, On the Banks of Plum Creek. Are you? Oh my God. That was the... Holy shit. That's crazy. See, now that's appropriate use for the adjective crazy. There you go. Well, Laura was actually born in 1867 and she lived through the plague. So she wrote about it in her book, On the Banks of Plum Creek. When did you read this book? Like fourth grade, I think. Do you still have it? Mm-mm. Oh. But I remember when I read that one because it's out of order and it was just a book that I saw and I picked up and then I just started reading it. I then went back to read the first, like, I think two. That's so funny. Yeah, that is so weird. Well, in that book, she writes, quote, you could hear millions of jaws biting and chewing. Oh. She also wrote, grasshoppers went into the house with them. Their clothes were full of grasshoppers. Some jumped into the hot stove where Mary was starting supper. Ma covered the food till they had chased and smashed every grasshopper. She swept them up and shoveled them into the stove. I do not remember that at all. I feel like I would remember that, or that's something I would remember from that book. Well, you were young. You were in, what, fourth grade? But that sounds like something that would terrify me, (laughs) and it would stick in my mind, but it just didn't. Maybe it terrified you so much that you blocked it out. Ooh, maybe. Now, after the 10 days of hell ended on July 30th, the number of locusts didn't go from over 12 trillion to zero overnight but the drop in numbers was rather noticeable. Mm -hmm. But there were still devastating swarms. On September 15th, 1874, Governor Thomas Osborne of Kansas called a special session of legislature. What is that? Do you know what that is? Nope. Yeah, I I have no clue. Nope. I guess it's just calling the government people together. It's like calling the X-Men together, but (laughs) the real life version of it. Hear ye, hear ye. They probably said that with their wigs. Uh, The point of this was to literally figure out how to recover from the crop damage and financial ruin that came with it. Well, they approved $73,000 in bonds to provide aid to the farmers. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much that translates to today? A million. 1.9 million. So close. And there were still swarms for the next couple of years after 1874 as well. Mm. And while the swarms were smaller with each passing year, they were still extremely destructive. In 1877, Nebraska passed the Grasshopper Act. (laughs) This mandated every able-bodied man between 16 and 60 to work at least two days killing locusts at hatching time. And if they refused, they would be forced to pay a $10 fine, which today is worth $266. I have no idea how inflation works at Uh, all. No, I, my go-to phrase is, if it doesn't bleed, I don't know what to do with it. Mine would be, I'm not looking it up, so I don't care. (laughs) There's also that. (laughs) Also, in 1877, Missouri started offering bounties for bushels of locusts. Oh, yeah. Do you know how big a bushel is? I'm going to 
I guess like two pounds. Oh, no, no. I, I don't actually know. Uh, I'm, I'm asking, do you know how big it is? No, I have no idea. Oh. I imagine just like a big brown grocery bag. I imagine like a little like wooden basket, like a bushel of apples. Oh, yeah. I guess that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they offered a dollar for a bushel of locusts in March, which is equal to $26 today, 50 cents for a bushel in April, a quarter in May, and a dime for a bushel in June. And this was common practice throughout uh, the Great Plains. I, and I would be out there if I was living on the time. Like, oh, I would. Yeah. That's easy. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Just start scooping. And then be like, here you go. Here's my bounty. $26, please. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your bushel. Where's my bounty? <laughs> Another thing that happened in 1877, Congress established the U.S. Entomological Commission. This was for the specific purpose of dealing with the Rocky Mountain locust swarms. Two years before this, in 1875, it had allocated $30,000 to send seeds out west to restore the crop fields that had been destroyed. Hmm. $30,000 then is, what do you think today? Uh, 900000 798000 Damn it. Better luck game. next time. Overall, it was widely considered that the U.S. was very generous in its response to helping those who had been affected by the locusts. That's good. Yeah. However, by the 1880s, the swarms suddenly disappeared entirely. Now, today, they're believed to be extinct, but that hasn't been 100% confirmed. Oh, God. But there are some theories on what happened to them. Some theories are that the locust migration just changed patterns. Mm -hmm. Others have speculated that climate change was somehow involved. But the most widely accepted reason for the Rocky Mountain locust extinction is the settlers in the Great Plains killed the ball by accident. With how? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) The main theory was proposed by an entomologist by the name of Jeffrey Lockwood in the early 200s, in the early 200s, in the early 2000s. (laughs) He was ahead of the time. He was. And again, an entomologist is a scientist who studies insects and their relations to their environment. So Lockwood's theory is that the pioneers in the Old West destroyed the locusts' nesting grounds when they began creating new farms. So in between outbreaks, the locusts would retreat back to river valleys. It was there that they could rest and lay more eggs just below the soil. Because again, river valleys are going to have softer soil, Mm -hmm. more water, more foliage, more food. But these were the areas that the pioneers were turning into farms, which meant they were digging up the soil to plant crops. And in doing so, they were gradually destroying the locust nests, the eggs, and eventually the entire species. Now, Rocky Mountain locusts were spotted occasionally after the 1880s, but it was extremely rare. And the last one ever found was in Canada in 1902. So it wasn't the fires, it wasn't the hopper dozers, it wasn't beating the locusts with a shovel that defeated them. It was good old American farming. (laughs) Good old American capitalism. And that is the locust plague of 1874. Damn, that was a good one. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, I loved it. Yeah. This was this was very this was very fun for me. Yeah. Apparently, there are still locust swarms today. There, I guess, there's significant parts of eastern Africa that have been having severe issues with desert locusts mm-hmm. and other species for the last couple years, and India was having bad swarms just a few years ago. Oh wow! So I guess it's not impossible that there won't be another swarm in the U.S. But a few of the articles that I did read pointed out one of the big issues is that in those parts of the world, one of the main reasons the swarms get so out of hand is the amount of political unrest between different countries that are affected by the swarms. So that makes it difficult for everyone to play nicely and come up with a solution. Oh, oh, that's so annoying. I know, right? Now, you want to talk about the largest locust ever caught? Absolutely. So I started wondering, how big did these Rocky Mountain locusts get? 
two inches. But obviously, I mean, I'm sure there had to be a really big one at some point. Yeah. The largest one ever was over 18 feet in girth. Ew. Okay. One, I hate the word girth. Two, I need a visual. Do they? Do they? It's have... a large tree trunk. It... I'm totally kidding. Oh my god, that sounds like something from uh, the Princess Bride. So I googled what was the largest locust ever found, and it said over six meters in girth. I'm like, what the shit? But it was talking about trees, not actual locusts. So I'm reading this for like five minutes trying to think how, what? Yeah. It was talking about trees the whole time. I'm like, okay. Thank God. Right. (laughs) I would see it and that thing would not have a chance. You think you could fight a locust that was the size of a tree trunk? It basically would be the size of a tree. Right. It would eat you. It would stomp on you. (laughs) Okay. Let's play the blame game. Yay. The blame game is where we rate the disaster on three different categories, predictability, preventability, and avoidability. We rate each of them on a scale of zero to five. A score of 10 or higher means we get to blame someone, but a score of three or lower means this is a true disaster. Yes. You ready? Yes. (laughs) All right. Starting off with predictability. What do you think I gave this? Zero. I gave it a one. Oh, okay. Maybe, just maybe, if you know their exact mating patterns, you might be able to figure it out. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm thinking toward the end of the season, they could have an idea. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you can't predict when they're going to show up. You can't predict how long they're going to stay. There's almost no predictability in this. So devil's advocate gave it a one. Okay. Preventability. Zero. Zero. Yeah. I guess kind of they prevented future ones by... Accident? Yeah, but no. No. I'm saying no. Yeah. Can't, you can't, no. You can't stop nature. No. I give it a zero. And avoidability. Firm zero. Yeah. There's no way. If you see a giant cloud of billions of locusts swarming toward you, mm-hmm. you can do nothing. Yeah, like, what are you going to do? You can go inside, but... They're still following you they're inside. They're still going to go in. Can you imagine if that happened today? These pioneers were eating them. <laughs> we would not. We, we would die. The locusts mm-hmm. would win today. Yeah, they would. We are not tough enough. No. I am. You are. Everyone else isn't, though. Well, I don't know. You won't even eat cottage cheese. (laughs) He said, I'm revoking that. I'm taking it back. I'll keep you alive. It's fine. Just stay with me. Okay. So, in total, this got a 1 out of 15. This is a true disaster. Woo! Yep. Damn. All right, Liv. So, what'd you learn? All right. So, for the first one, I learned that locusts are grasshoppers, and I put Three question marks. Are there three follow-up questions to that? Or you just had no clue? I just had no clue that there were grasshoppers. I just thought they were their own A lot thing. of things are related to grasshoppers. Yeah? Yeah. I'm telling you, they're Pokemon. They evolved. That's Yeah, that's literally what I said when I saw that. Oh, mm-hmm. they evolve? Pokemon. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the second thing, I have a new nickname for Hopper. I'm going to call him Hopper Dozer now. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get home and be like, hi. And for the third thing, um, I would 100% die in the 1800s. For real. I, I, I suspect that if you went back now through a time portal, I would give you, what is it, June? I'd give you until September. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say August. So. Well, it's summertime now. So. Maybe I would like October, though, because I love the fall. Well, and that's when flu season's going to start. Yeah, but I. They already don't have medicine. I'm or, a- or do they? But if I'm going back in a time machine, I'm all vaccinated. True. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would freak them out. But what out. about polio? You don't have the polio vaccine. I'll create it and become a god. Follow-up question. How are you going to create a vaccine, Liv? What's the first step? <laughs> in what lab? The one. 
the one. Like, I'll go to... Excuse me, uh, where is the lab? <laughs> hey, guys. Ma'am. In the middle of Texas. <laughs> They're like, we're trying to stop these locusts from... Is it locusts or loci? It's locusts. Yeah. They're like, we're trying to stop these locusts from eating our crops. Do you think we have a lab? Ma'am, we crash trains together for fun. <laughs> we don't have a lab. Ma'am, we have two football teams. <laughs> <laughs> Texas A&M and U of Texas. Yeah, Texas A&M and... <laughs> yeah, it was U of Texas. Yeah, so. yeah. We can't tell them apart, but damn, if we don't have fun watching. <laughs> Hee-haw. We're going to hoot and holler. Hooting's a gateway drug to hollering. <laughs> and I know that's right, and that's a fact. I know that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, anything else? Mm, I hate bugs. And cottage cheese. Yeah. Well, you don't know that you hate cottage cheese. You think you hate cottage cheese. I think I hate cottage cheese. I'll just go to the store and buy some. Thank you for clarifying where you would purchase the cottage cheese. <laughs> oh, the store. Crazy. Well, no. You know who eats cottage cheese like a fiend? Who? Joey Six. Like a fiend? Yeah, he eats it all the time. He'll eat it with like walnuts, I think. You know, I say I like cottage cheese. I don't know when the last time I actually bought or had cottage cheese was. That's all I'm saying. But also for dinner right before we started this, <laughs> I took a soft tortilla shell, threw rice and some Monterey Jack cheese on it, heated it up in the microwave, and I had that for dinner. He goes, so don't. I don't know if my diet is really one to go off of. <laughs> and then before that, he just ate a banana. <laughs> well, you got to be healthy. Yeah, yeah. You got to mix some. You like, need your vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> your nutrients, your potassium. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. We're done. I'm yeah, out. we are. Well, uh, be safe out there, everybody. Good luck. Try some cottage cheese if you haven't. And avoid flying bugs. And if you see a Rocky Mountain locust, run. You're just donezo if you see one. You're done. It's going to eat the clothes off your back. (laughs) That one locust will get you. Yep. (laughs) He has a knife. (laughs) (laughs) We're ending this. Bye. Good night, everyone. Be safe. I love you. I love you so much. (laughs) Please just stop this. (laughs) That's it. Bye. Cottage cheese.